Welcome everyone to the Predictably Treacherous Podcast. Today's episode is Dead Weight, starring Eddie Albert as the villain. This is episode three of season one. This episode was directed by Jack Schmidt and written by John T. Dugan. The original air date was October 27, 1971, and the runtime was 73 minutes. Let's get right to the episode summary. A retired military general resorts to killing his business associate in order to sever ties to an ongoing investigation into shady business practices. When a witness surfaces, the general meets her on the battlefield of love. Meanwhile, Columbo must convince her that the general is not what he appears to be. The murder. The opening scene shows a house from the water. Then the camera slowly pans through the interior of the home. We are shown a wooden crate addressed to Memorial Hall Marine Military Institute. There are some military assault weapons leaning against it. Another crate is leaning against the wall. Printed on it is from Major General Martin J. Hollister, United States Marine Corps retired. The camera pans over to a painting of a highly decorated military man looking regal above the fireplace. It must have been a sign of prestige in the 70s to have a picture of yourself displayed prominently in your home or office. Not you on vacation with the family or at the beach or in an office group shot, but a picture of just you, maybe even a headshot. This seems to keep coming up throughout the series. Hollister has a painting of himself above the fireplace, not a photograph, a painting. This is some real hubris. A car pulls up to the parking space outside the house and a military man gets out and rings the doorbell. Hollister is shaving with an electric razor. He sashays over to the door. That's right, sashays. Watch the scene. He opens the door and seems surprised. He knows the man, but he was not expecting him. The man is Colonel Dutton. Dutton is concerned. He tells Hollister that the investigator general is launching an investigation into arms contracts. It seems Hollister owns a construction company and it has been engaged in some shady business deals with the army through Dutton. Hollister says it's unfortunate, but it was bound to happen eventually and that there should be nothing to worry about because Dutton has been giving the standard explanation for cost overruns, which is unforeseen difficulties in developing the arm systems, etc. Dutton is convinced that it won't matter what the reasons are. He says that when the investigator general sees the bargain basement bids, that's quite an alliteration, that have been approved, it will be obvious that Hollister's company was allowed to steal those contracts. And with so much money involved, the IG will know that there was a conspiracy. Dutton says he has taken 30-day leave and is fleeing to Geneva. He suggests that Hollister do the same. Hollister says that fleeing is an admission of guilt and he doesn't believe in a forced retreat. Hollister questions Dutton as to what he will do if they catch him. And Dutton says he will keep Hollister's involvement to himself. Hollister doesn't believe him. He tells the colonel, you present me with a problem. You say that my name will never come into this. 
I'm afraid I can't take that risk. Then he grabs his gun from a crate and shoots Dutton. The scene switches to two women in a sailboat, Helen Stewart and her mother, Mrs. Walters. Helen witnesses the murder. She tells her mother, and her mother says she's been out in the sun too long. Her mother's a detractor. Helen is defiant. She says, we're going back to the dock. They dock the boat, and Helen runs to a phone booth and then waits. Her mother catches up to her a minute later. Helen is sitting beside the booth, not having made the call to the police yet. Her mother says, I knew you would. I knew you'd come to your senses. This aggravates Helen, and she gets in the booth and makes the call. Think about that. I mean, we haven't got to the end of the episode yet, but uh, Hollister's entire life could change if Helen's mother wasn't annoying. Officer Sanchez arrives to take Helen's statement. Helen likes Sanchez. After she has given her statement, she shakes Sanchez's hand again and repeats her phone number to him. It's actually a pretty good shot. Helen seems to be on the lookout for a man. Sanchez goes back to his car and calls in his report, but he requests someone with more clout to question Hollister. So they send Columbo. There's clout for you. The Columbo intro. When Columbo arrives, he asks Sanchez if it seemed like Miss Stewart and Mrs. Walters had been doing any drinking. Sanchez doesn't know. Not very helpful. Columbo asks him to check Hollister's boat and pay attention to the engines. Like, were they warm or not? So Columbo goes and he rings Hollister's doorbell. Hollister answers in a tux, and Columbo introduces himself and shows his badge. And what do you know? Frank Columbo. I believe that this is the only scene in the series, at least the original 70s run, where you can clearly see Columbo's first name. This is sort of an urban legend online. Um, people are like, oh, does he have a first name? What's the first name? But it's right here. It's pretty obvious. Just watch the episode. You'll see it. We're like 15 minutes in. He tells Hollister about the report of the shooting. Hollister's agreeable and allows Columbo to come in and look around. There are two cadets packing a crate full of his memorabilia for an exhibition. Columbo asks to look inside the crates. Hollister's a bit put out, but he lets him do it. There are several guns in the crate, but they all have their firing pins removed. Columbo starts fawning over how beautiful the fireplace is, and they begin a walkthrough of the rest of the house. After looking in the bedrooms, Columbo asks Hollister if he owns a gun. He says no at first, then he remembers that he owns a starter pistol. He starts to remember that he had it out, how convenient, that he had it out earlier that day. He was thinking about donating it to the exhibition, so of course he took it out to think about it. As he was holding the gun, he stumbled over one of the crates. That must have been what the witnesses saw. The general offers Columbo the gun to have it checked out with ballistics. Columbo refuses, I don't know why he refused, and says he thinks he's on a wild goose chase. Then Hollister begins fishing for information. He says, uh, one more thing, Lieutenant, turning the tables on the Lieutenant, who reported this, uh, murder, in quotes? I never said it was a murder. Well, shooting. Oh, I can't tell you that, sir. He continues fishing. Whoever it was, it had to be some guy out here on a boat, as he 
points to the water through his window. Uh, General, I never said it was a man. Oh, a woman. I never said it was a woman. It doesn't matter. Mistakes have no gender. What is that? I've never heard that expression. Columbo leaves, and shortly afterwards, Alistair leaves his home and checks with Mr. Barnes, the boat rental guy. This is a, I don't remember what this um, actor's name is, but he appears in like, I don't know, a, a million Columbo episodes. He's like, a, he's like an extra in practically every episode. He tells Barnes, earlier on today, someone waved to me from the water. I think it might have been an old friend. I think it was someone renting one of your boats. Do you know who it was? You must mean Miss Stewart. Yes, Miss Stewart. Do you have her address? Barnes gives it to him. No problem. Why would he have her address? You rented a... Anyways. Okay, Columbo calls on Miss Stewart. She lives with her mother, as we talked about earlier, um, in an apartment in a complex where there are young people drinking by a pool and there appears to be a drinking cart. It's a pretty cool apartment. Inside their apartment, Helen and her mother are having before-dinner cocktails. Okay? But it's dark out, and I think it's summer. So, what time is it? Like 9 p.m.? When is dinner? Helen comes across as a bit of a space cadet. She's lacking confidence in one moment, and unsure of herself in the next comes from having a nutcase for a mother probably she works with children and animals and it's some kind of a petting zoo and for her personal therapy at home she works with clay pots and sculptures actually i'm doing her mother a disservice her mother seems like she really gets on her but helen seems like a serious space cadet colombo tells her what happened at the general's house he tells her He couldn't find any evidence of a shooting. He gives her the general's explanation. He said that at one point, he was in a bathrobe and he was holding a starter pistol. Of course. (laughs) Later, he was in a uniform. Does that sound like a reasonable explanation? Helen says, it sounds perfectly reasonable, but it's not what happened. Columbo seems to have convinced himself that she was mistaken. Maybe because the general is well-respected and there is no real evidence, and Helen has come across as scattered, he suggests some alternate explanations. Have you ever worn glasses? No. Were you doing a little drinking today? No. She gets upset. She again seems sure of herself and reiterates what she saw. Then Helen asks Columbo if he believes her, and Columbo tells her a murder charge is about as serious as you can get, and Helen rightfully tells him, I didn't ask you if it's a serious charge. I asked you if you believed me. He doesn't really have an answer for that. In the next scene, we see Hollister get into Dutton's car and drive off. Then, in a super creepy move, he knocks on Helen's door and tells her to watch the 11 o'clock news. He says, I need a character reference. You don't recognize me? You said that you saw me shoot somebody today. You have nothing to fear from me. Watch the news. I'm sure you'll agree you've miscast me. He leaves, and we see him park Dutton's car in a dodgy neighborhood so that it will get stolen. The he knows scene. In the next scene, we have Columbo in a diner. On the TV is the 11 o'clock news, and they are doing a story on Hollister and his heroics. 
The diner owner, a veteran, is impressed. During the newscast, the newscaster mentions the pearl-handled pistol for the second time, and Columbo realizes that this is Hollister's, it's his signature, but it was not in the crates for the exhibition, and Hollister didn't show it to Columbo when he asked if there were any guns in the house. So where is it? He takes his cigar out of his mouth and comes to full attention. The story ends, and the diner owner asks Columbo if he wants to play pool. Columbo says he's got to go. I'm getting up early to go fishing tomorrow. Going fishing. He's on to Hollister now. Now we're shown Helen and her mom watching the 11 o'clock news. Mom says, how could you think a man like that could shoot anybody for no reason? I find this to be a common fallacy that people fall into. They assume that someone who has achieved great things wouldn't do something risky. Okay, When in fact, people who achieve great things often do engage in pretty risky behavior because big risk, big risk, big reward. You, know, you just don't know that they take risks because the bold moves have worked out well for them. You don't hear about the person who took really risky, bold moves, but none of it worked and they're very unsuccessful because they're unsuccessful. The next scene, Hollister gets dropped off by some drunk dudes in a car at 4 a.m. In his house, he gets changed into boat clothes and has a quick drink. Then he presses some button on the bar. This is incredible. And the wall spins around slowly. It's exactly the type of wall spinning that we see in Indiana Jones and the Last Crusade when Henry and Indiana are tied to those chairs in like a Nazi castle and they set the floor on fire by mistake they hop in the fireplace and it spins around and they end up in like this Nazi operation area anyway it's not really the same as that but basically the wall spins around and uh, right basically there's a the point is There's a body wrapped in plastic. Um, It's Dutton's body. Dutton's body is wrapped in plastic. (laughs) That's where I'm going with this. And it's hanging from a hook behind this spinning wall. Now, I'm not sure what the floor looked like, but if you have a spinning wall, are there going to be like circles on the floor? Or Anyways, all right. Does the floor spin too? It doesn't matter. So the next scene is on Hollister's boat. There's a bag in the shape of a body. I wonder what that is. It's tied to the deck. And he pulls the boat out of port. Presumably he dumps the body in the ocean, but we don't actually see this. Okay. Now later in the morning, but still early, Hollister is pulling his boat back into dock. Columbo is fishing on the dock pier. Columbo attempts some friendly chit-chat, but Hollister rebuffs him, so Columbo launches right into his questions. The other day, you showed me your souvenirs, and you showed me your target pistol. What happened to the pearl-handled pistol? Hollister claims that it was stolen while he was in the hospital in Korea, and says that the MMI, was that Marine Military something institute is having a duplicate made for the exhibit Hollister doesn't really give Columbo a chance to play the fool he condenses the nonsense 
Lynn Hollister is quite brazen with Columbo. And if Columbo had any doubts, they would have disappeared. Let's listen to the clip. Yesterday, when I asked you what he wanted, you showed me your souvenirs and you showed me your target pistol, which is all very well and good. But I was wondering, whatever happened to that pearl-handled revolver? Because when I looked into the crate, you know, I didn't see it in there. Lost it, Lieutenant. Long time ago. When I was in the hospital in Korea, somebody liberated it, you know, wanted a souvenir. Actually, I was, uh, I was pretty pleased it was taken. It was getting to be just too much of a publicity gimmick. I see. So the, uh, Hollister exhibit is gonna have to do without the famous Hollister gun. Uh, not exactly. Uh, MMI wanted one for their memorial, so they had a duplicate made. I see. Uh-huh. Now, uh, I've got a change, so if there's anything else I can do for you... No, that'll be all, sir. Fine, fine. Just a piece of advice. Find a different spot. Or use a different bait. Otherwise, you're not going to catch anything, Lieutenant. Later that day, Hollister shows up at Helen's place of employment. He asks her if she watched television last night, and she confirms that she did, and asks how he knew where she worked. He says that he had a chat with her mother. Thanks, Mom. He asks her out for a drink, and she's incredulous at first. Then he compliments her, and she gets all coy and accepts. At a bizarre pastel blue restaurant with a live piano player, uh, oh, excuse me, with live piano music played on a piano, Hollister brings up the eyewitness account again and asks her to consider the possibility that she made a mistake. That after a long day on, a, on the water, your eyes can play tricks on you. She says it's possible. He says that she was really good with the children at work and asks if she has any of her own. She says she doesn't, that her ex-husband didn't want kids. Hollister says that with his military career and his construction business, he didn't have time to get married and have kids. And for the most part, he doesn't regret it. But there are exceptions, like last night when the door opened and I saw you. Hollister is laying it on a bit thick. He asks her out for dinner. She accepts. The next scene, Columbo is with Mrs. Walters, mom, chatting. Helen comes in. She tells them that she just had dinner with Hollister and he asked her to go out on his yacht. Mom is thrilled and encourages it. Way to go, Mom. Columbo points out that Hollister went to a lot of trouble to find her. He says he didn't tell Hollister her name or address. Columbo tells Helen that he had second thoughts about the shooting. The police found some youth joyriding in a car. Now, it turns out that the car belongs to uh, Roger Dutton, who is uh, a Marine colonel. He could have been the man that you saw at Hollister's house. Colonel Dutton booked a plane to Switzerland at 8 p.m., but he never showed. Columbo shows Helen a picture of Colonel Dutton, but she isn't sure if he was the one she saw in the house. Columbo tells her to hang on to the picture and then rushes out. I think he wants her to keep the picture so that she has a reminder of what Hollister did and is not charmed by him. A physical reminder. 
As he's leaving, Columbo reminds Helen that she was very sure of herself. But now, after one date with Hollister, she's begun to doubt her beliefs. Okay, next scene is on Hollister's boat. Helen is sleeping on the deck. She's lying there, sleeping in the sun. Hollister wakes her up and points to his house. What do you see? Helen says, all she can see is reflection. Hollister reminds her that the other day, she said she saw a shooting there. Looks like Helen is starting to be convinced that she may have been wrong. The relationship is shown as progressing, and in the next scene, Helen and Hollister are having dinner in Hollister's home. They begin dancing, they're having a good time, and then they kiss. Okay. Now, presumably a day or so later, some fishing boats are in the water. A woman on one of the boats begins screaming, and we see a body floating on the surface. Now we're showing Hollister in his boat listening to the radio. They start talking on the radio about the body that surfaced this morning being identified as Colonel Dutton. Hollister is taken aback. I don't think he expected that twist. Ahoy, says Columbo. He wants to ask some questions, so Hollister invites him onto the boat while he tests out the engines. Columbo, not a good idea. Columbo asks Hollister if he heard about Dutton. He says that Dutton was shot and weighted down, but the sharks chewed through the weights. I'm not sure why, but Columbo says he's there to protect Hollister. He says the other detectives think that they have a case against him. Hollister peshaws him. Columbo explains that Hollister, Hollister's company got a lot of business through Dutton, and it turns out Dutton was being investigated by the invest, investigator general. If Dutton is dead, there's no way to prove a conspiracy between Dutton and Hollister to defraud the government. Hollister rebuffs him. Maybe there is no conspiracy. Columbo continues to suggest that the morning after Dutton disappeared, Hollister went out on his yacht. We know that the body was discovered at Morocco Cove, and a body dumped off the marina could have been taken by the currents to Morocco Cove. Hollister says, and rightly so, this is all speculation. There's still no proof that he and Dutton actually met on that day. And Columbo says that um, he saw a car like his across from Hollister's house on the day he disappeared. And Hollister asks him if he checked the registration. And Columbo says no. And Hollister says, that's unfortunate. At this point, Columbo has been growing increasingly queasy with seasickness and asks Hollister to take him back to shore. Back at the dock... Columbo exits the boat and Helen gets on. He tells her that they found a body of Colonel Dutton and that somebody dumped him in the ocean. He asks her what she saw and she says she didn't see anything and can he leave her alone. She obviously wants to turn a blind eye so that she can continue her relationship with Hollister. Now back at the diner, the diner owner, Bert, gets Columbo a bowl of chili. Bert has all of his World War II memorabilia out. He said that his wife told him it had to go out, uh, but, he could, uh, but he couldn't get rid of it because it means so much to him, so he brought it to the diner. Columbo gets a light bulb above his head. He calls Helen to invite her to the memorial. Let's recap what has happened thus far. Hollister is a retired military general running a construction company. 
He resorts to killing his business associate in order to sever ties to an ongoing investigation into shady business practices by the IG. Helen is a witness to the crime. The general meets her on the battlefield of love in an attempt to silence her. Meanwhile, Columbo must convince her that the general is not what he appears to be. The Get Scene At War Memorial, Columbo is there and Helen arrives. He says he won't ask any questions, he just wanted her to see the exhibit. He tells her that in order to understand the man, you have to understand his past. They browse the items. Columbo tells a story about how Hollister was shot by a sniper, but the military manual in his pocket saved his life and he never batted an eye. A normal man would faint or at least take time to recover. Columbo theorizes that Hollister has an enormous amount of courage, a man who can be cool under an enormous amount of pressure. They look at the pearl-handled revolver on exhibit. Hollister arrives. He asks what all this is about. Columbo explains that he finds it hard to believe that with all of the memorabilia that Hollister saved, that he allowed his gun to be taken, his pearl-handled gun that was his signature piece, the most important piece of memorabilia. Let's listen to the clip. All right, sir. I'll get right to the point. It has to do with that duplicate of your gun. I find it hard to believe that a man like General Hollister, who saved and cherished every war souvenir, even the smallest photograph, I just think it's strange that he was so careless as to allow his gun to be stolen. I mean, that pistol was the most famous single symbol of his whole legend. Well, if it was me, if it was my gun, I would take very good care of that gun. I'd have it in my apartment where people could see it, and I would keep it polished, and I would keep it oiled, and I would keep it loaded. And when a certain Colonel Dutton came to see me and threatened to expose me, that's the gun that I would use. Where is the gun? Why not on public display? Why not in a glass case? Why not in front of thousands of people? Having been discovered, Hollister concedes to the murder. Two plainclothes officers walk over to arrest Hollister. And uh, and there we have it. This is not my favorite episode. I mean, look, it's, it's still a Columbo episode, so it's better than most of the TV that's out there. But um, yeah, not my favorite. One of the things that, that bothers me about it is that yeah, well, I'm I'm being a bit nitpicky, but Hollister tries to woo Helen to keep her quiet. Mm, he could have just offed her. I mean, the guy's a cold-hearted professional killer, not a gigolo. There's nothing in his background to suggest. I mean, he's a military general. There's nothing in his background to suggest that he would suddenly try to romance people into submission um, rather than just kill them. Maybe, you know, Helen was beautiful to him and she really really i don't know you get shot with cupid's arrow i don't know whatever you could argue as well that he just read the the situation and he took advantage of an opportunity but it's a stretch okay i ranked this episode ready for it 42nd best of 43 episodes so second last 
But unfortunately, as I said, you know, a subpar Columbo episode is still better than most TV out there. So um, you go watch the episode. You might like it too. You know, maybe I'm being a bit nitpicky. Hollister gets a two out of five on the villain scale. He was arrogant, definitely, and he was very sure of himself. But he lacked flair and appeal. He wasn't pompous like uh, like uh, Robert Culp, or he wasn't smooth like Cassidy. You know, he didn't put up with Columbo's nonsense. There was no chit chat and banter. Um, Helen, uh, she was not a traditional victim. I'm putting that in quotes. Uh, she was the main focus of the episode. She was foolish, and she allowed herself to be manipulated. Um, but she was she was boring. She was inconsistent. She just didn't do anything for me. So, again, anyways, well, we've always got next week. So next week on the Predictably Treacherous podcast, another Columbo episode, Suitable for Framing, starring Ross Martin as an art critic and international man of mystery, Dale Kingston, and Rosanna Huffman as hapless art student, Tracy O'Connell. Here's a brief summary. Art critic, Dale Kingston, employs a middling art student to be his accomplice in the killing of his wealthy uncle. He then attempts to frame his uncle's ex-wife for the murder so that his uncle's vast art collection will fall to him. Tune in next week. Thank you.